exactly when did loving this nation become a bad thing? We'll answer that question on the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Uh, Glenn had a little glitch this morning, a little power thing going on in Texas. Here I thought, here I thought that this global warming we all loved gotten used to was solving all these problems apparently not nonetheless glenn is fine for those who have uh, reached out said jeff where's glenn no hey jeff nice to hear you jeff uh, jeff where's glenn glenn is fine let me ask you this question did it ever occur to you that being proud of the united states loving this country would someday be a bad thing I got to tell you, it never, ever in my 50-some years occurred to me that it would be bad, evil, nasty, wrong to love America. Let me explain why. And I want to remind everybody, if you want to uh, reach out, I'm always, always happy to, uh, to chat. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. If you want to send me an email, the best way to do it, thejeffkatzshow.com, thejeffkatzshow.com, is a little contact button there. The reason that I ask this question, whether it ever occurred to you that loving this country would be a bad thing, is that I look back on my own life, and I also look at my little... My little studio here, my broadcast hut. Now, I think back growing up in the inner city of Philadelphia. Everyone was a Democrat. Everyone was a Democrat. That wasn't a bad thing. Everyone was a Democrat. And there were folks who were certainly further to the left or further to the right, but there was no question about what your political registration would be. And that's how I grew up, but I just assumed that's the way it was everywhere. But within our community, this little section called Oxford Circle, within our community, everyone loved America. There was never any question about that, ever. And we had folks who had served in the military. We had people in our neighborhood who worked with their hands. People who understood how you wired things. People who knew what it took to dig a ditch. Quite literally, dig a ditch. These were people, men, who showered when they got home from work. Crazy observation. Why would anybody think about that? I'll tell you why. These were men who went to work and worked awfully hard. And it was at the end of the work day that they went to wash the grime off. At the end of their work day, when they got home, six, seven in the evening, that they'd say, All right, before we have dinner, I'm going to go take a shower. 
Because if you work all day as a plumber, not a new construction plumber, but as a plumber, I can guarantee you, you have gotten dirty. And how do I know that? Because my Uncle Paul worked as a plumber. When my Uncle Paul came back to Philadelphia after having served in the Navy, he became a plumber. And he worked really, really hard. I mean, really, really hard. And it was physical, back-breaking, dirty work. And the reason that I know about it is not because he was complaining about it. My Uncle Paul was probably the funniest man I ever knew. The reason I knew about it is that there were times where my Uncle Paul would let me come work with him. I don't know how old I was, 12, 13, 14, something like that. And my Uncle Paul had this old VW bus. And that's where he had all of his tools. And he had all of the pipe. Now, what he was lacking was a seat. Now, I mean, he had a seat up front. But when I went to go and work with him, he made me sit on a milk crate in the back of this VW bus to hold on to the pipes. And that was part of my job. Now, it wasn't wasn't comfortable, I'll tell you that. Uh, it wasn't particularly pleasant. Because amongst other things, my Uncle Paul was, for a period of time, also a smoker. So it was, I mean, it, it was nasty. But I was thrilled about it. But then I got to see real craftsmen at work, real, real masters of their trade and their craft. Because it wasn't just my Uncle Paul. These were guys who did stonework, unbelievable masons, and other talented craftsmen. They did an amazing job, but it was hard, dirty work. And I can remember the first time that I went to some job with my Uncle Paul. And he said, hey, we've got to replace a toilet. Okay. Well, it never occurred to me that the toilet had been used for years and might have been one of the reasons it needed to be replaced. But he went in there and he had shut the water off and he had his tools and he took the toilet off and between him and me we we struggled with this toilet down a flight of steps and was back I was out in a yard and he said all right now because we've got to take this toilet and you know get rid of it and the dump didn't want it like that uh, take the sledgehammer and swing it and break that toilet up into a bunch of little pieces and I thought well this is fantastic right now that's fun carrying the big toilet was not particularly fun lugging the tools up a flight of steps was not particularly fun but swinging the sledgehammer to break the toilet that was fun and I swung it like I was Greg Luzinski swinging for the stands at Vet Stadium. 
And then when I was done, because I smashed it up, boy, there wasn't a piece that was left. And And then my Uncle Paul came down. And with this grin on his face, did I mention he was the funniest man that I ever knew? With this grin on his face that was much more of a smirk, he said, okay, now crawl around in the yard and pick up every last one of those pieces that you created. Because we still got to take it to the dump. So again, it wasn't fun. That's what men in my neighborhood did. No, not the crawling around part, although they did the crawling around part too. They worked with their hands. And they decided that their children should not work with their hands. That their children should work with their heads. And I think that's where we kind of lost track of stuff. We kind of went off the rails there. Because we began as a society to start minimizing and mocking people who worked with their hands. People who were able to make things. People who were able to fix things. That's the backbone of this country. Small business. We always hear that phrase, small business. I always like to turn that phrase on its head a little bit, and I talk about local business, because that's what it is. It's the local guy or gal. Those are the people who are doing the things that have kept our economy working. Those men and those women who figured out, working with their hands, fed their children, provided an education and an opportunity to go and seize the American dream. And along the way, as they were realizing their American dream, other people, their employees, got to realize their American dream. So why have we kicked those folks to the curb? There are a lot of us, myself included, who are saying, you know, it's wonderful. The one good thing to come out of the grand zombie apocalypse That happened almost a year ago. Remember, it's a year ago we were told we needed two weeks to flatten the curve. We're now coming up on the one-year anniversary of the two weeks to flatten the curve. But it is people like me who have said the one good thing to come out of this is that we're all going to be able to work from home. Well, I am fortunate. I am blessed in that sense. Yes, I absolutely have a commute now that's about 90 seconds. And sometimes it's, a, it's two minutes if there's a puppy broken down in the, uh, in the path to my office. But I've got news for you. People that make things, people that fix things still have to get up and go to work. And we are in the process of killing their businesses. I don't know how decent people who make things and fix things have even been able to stay above water this last year. But we have got to remember them. I want to give you just one little example and then I want to bring you into this 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. If you, in fact, are one of those men, one of those women who has to get out 
you can't do everything from your house because you are making something. You are fixing something. You, you, you've got the restaurant and the community, and you're thinking, man, people need to eat. And I want to get you in on this because it's your voice I don't think has been heard as much as it needs to. Even as glennbeck.com, glennbeck.com, Glenn has that wonderful GoFundMe activity underway to help some small business owners, some, some local business operators around America. So this past weekend, as we're dealing with weather in central Virginia... Our power stayed on, but our heater stopped working, or at least that's what I thought, because I don't fix things, and I don't make things, so I don't know much. I only know that I have to call somebody to fix things. So our thermostat was blank, and the last time that it was like that, it was because there was some sort of, um, I don't even know, the, the Johnson rod did this instead of that, and, and, and anyway, then there was a work crew here, and, and then it was all fine. But my bride, who I may have mentioned to you, is a weather addict. She watches weather the same way the teenage boy tries to get through the the cable channels that are not scrambled you know what i mean she's just addicted to it she's sick but she said jeff my mother said now right there i should have known better right there i should have known stop listening jeff but she continued and i continued because you know it was valentine's day weekend and all she said my mother said we should probably crank the heat up really high so that if we do lose heat, because everything around here is on something called a heat pump, which is electric. If we do lose power and we lose the heat, it'll take longer for the house to cool down. And I said, oh, okay. So what do I do? I crank the heat. Now, we are relocated Yankees. I mean, I, I am a southern gentleman by choice, but I can tolerate cold weather a little bit better. So we never have the heat in our home higher than about 62 degrees. That's it. So I cranked it to 75. I don't think the thermostat had ever been set to 75. And the next thing I know, I'm sitting in my little chair going, you know, it's getting chilly. And for 75, it ought not be this chilly. And then I got up and I looked at the thermostat and it was blank. Now I knew who was to blame. My mother-in-law. Clearly my mother-in-law was to blame. But aside from simply reassuring myself that I was right all along, what good was that going to do us? So what did I do? First I complained to Heidi. I said, see? She said, well, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. We got to call people. Got to call people. She's like, you don't have people. I said, I got people. I got guys. And sure enough, I started calling my guys. One of the guys I called was not actually directly. I called the HVAC company that services our unit. And I got the, the voicemail because it's the weekend. And I, not the weekend that did that terrible halftime show. I mean, the actual weekend. So I leave a message. Hey, it's Jeff Katz. Would you mind giving me a call back? That's done, blah, blah, blah. I get a call back from the owner of that company. 
And I said to him, Stefan, what are you doing? So what do you mean? I said, it's, it's the weekend. And you're returning a service call. Why? And he said, because it's my weekend to do that. And I said, you're, but you own the company. He said, yep. I said, but you're, he says, I'll, I'll be out. Give me about 40 minutes. I got to get up there. And I said, no, seriously, who's really going to come? He says, it's me. It's my company. And because it's my company, I take every third weekend with the other guys or every fourth weekend, whatever it is, I take the weekend just like all the rest of the guys that work for me. And in fact, if they've got something to do, if they've got a special event with their family, I take their weekend. I'm here to tell you it's men like that we're punishing. It's men like that who truly are the personification of the American dream. And we're trashing them. We're taking men that proudly have a American flag sticker on their pickup truck or on their van. And we're telling them they're bad. Ten second pause here for station identification. It is Jeff Katz in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. Let me grab Danny from Michigan. Danny, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hey, thank you very much. I'm enjoying your show. Thanks, On a sir. snowy day. Yes. Uh, one of the things that is very difficult to get your arms around, my arms around about is the change in this economy that's occurred over the last 20 years. And you look at uh, the companies that are succeeding right now and those that failed. Um, Kodak, for example, their peak sales was $16 billion back in the 90s. And they employed wow. nearly two, 200,000 people. Now you look at a company like Facebook. Their revenue is $158 billion. And they employ 50,000 people. Where did everybody go? Mm. Where did those hundred thousand people go to get jobs yeah. and this economy and i agree with your point wholeheartedly you made one of the greatest points of all where parents like mine didn't want me to work with my hands they thought we would give you a better way to live than bake break your back like i i had to do and i don't want you to do that yeah. And the, the intelligence of what is so important to know about fixing things and creating things has disappeared. Yeah. And the only, the only creativity that exists now is through cyber world, the creativity <laughs> of an idea or, or something that's not even real that you can get your hands around. It's all service-based stuff. Right. And to me, that that's the one thing that is the most disturbing. Yep. Um, and that's the only point that I wanted to make. Well, Danny, it's a great point, and I appreciate you calling into the Glenn Beck program. What a great point. I mean, you could we, we, we all are enamored of folks who make these virtual things. The problem is we're not enamored of people who make actual things. Denny is in West Virginia. Denny, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Hi, Jeff. How you doing? I'm fine, thank you, sir. I just wanted to talk to you about the... Uh 
the, the economy for the small business person. Uh, I have two, two points. One is I'm a small business person in a construction business. We do concrete work. And uh, the biggest problem we have is hiring people. We wow. have we have uh, we have business that we can't even handle. Um, and and what you're talking about is people have lost their uh, willingness to work with their hands because their parents did tell them that uh, oh you don't want to do that that's hard work. Exactly. And now you can't hire anybody that wants to work hard, and if you do hire somebody. Uh, they grew up in that mentality and they don't know right. how to work. They were never taught. They were never taught how to work. Denny, I and appreciate the call. You are so right. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So, I was thinking about today hauling out my guitar and my harmonica, neither which, uh, neither of which can I uh, can I play? Um, but uh, I wanted to play. It's kind of a bluesy thing called sitting in the waiting room at the mechanic shop, kissing my money goodbye uh, because I didn't get Car Shield Blues. Now, it's a little wordy. Yes, a little wordy. But I think you'll like the music. If I could play the guitar or the harmonica, you'd 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 understand. So let me just say this. If you've ever had the blues because your check engine light went off and you're like, I'm not going to check my engine light because I know what that's going to cost. And then it gets worse. That's the blues. Okay, grab your harmonica or get car shield. If anything like this happens to you and your car breaks down, you have 24 seven roadside assistance. They get you a rental car while yours is in the shop. They pay the mechanic, whether it's the dealership or, you know, your local mechanic doesn't matter. They pay them. They don't pay you. So you're not having to fork out the money. Get covered now. Carshield.com. Carshield.com. Promo code Beck. Save 10% right now. And head over to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You're going to save 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. This is Jeff Kent in for Glenn today on the Glenn Beck program. One of the things that uh, I am so grateful for is the fact that I'm here in the United States of America. I know it sounds trite at this point. My gosh, Jeff, we don't talk about stuff like that. Why are you saying that? Because right at this moment, I'm at theblaze.com. And if you don't usually stop at theblaze.com, then uh, you need to smarten yourself up a little bit. Theblaze.com and glenbeck.com. These are these are must-read websites for me every single day. And the top story right now has to do with uh, Jamel Hill. She says patriotic symbols have been weaponized. She talks about empty gestures of patriotism. The other day, as everyone was discovering that Mark Cuban had stopped playing the national anthem before Dallas Mavericks games, people said, well, see, nobody even noticed. And other folks said, well, Jeff, we don't, we don't play the national anthem before, before movies or, or, or before plays. So why would we play it before sporting competitions? Well, it comes from the Olympics. It's a tradition, right? Whoever it is, that man or woman who has won gold, 
gets to stand on the, the platform and their flag is raised. It, it is about their pride in being whatever nation they happen to be representing, an American, a Canadian. And there's a certain amount of pride, and it's co- it is carried over into our sporting events here. And particularly when you look at competition, say, in the NHL, when you have an American team and a Canadian team. And each is, at least in theory, playing for the pride of their nation. And that, that piece there about, well, you know, we don't play it before plays, as if that was the reason to ditch it before sporting Events And I thought, no, 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 just the opposite. That's the reason we ought to play it before plays. You go into the theater, the first thing that should happen, yeah, is that the national anthem should be played. You go to see a movie, yeah, I don't think it's a big deal at all to say, put your popcorn down and stand up, we're going to play our national anthem, because it brings people together. But if you are on the other side of this, if you are one of the uber-leftists, if you are getting ready for the Great Reset, the very thing you don't want is people coming together with any sense of national pride and i'll tell you what carries into national pride and that is acknowledging people in our communities whatever community you happen to be in now i happen to be in this wonderful little part of the the country this is hanover county virginia We're just north of Richmond, and I do the afternoon show at News Radio WRVA in Richmond. And in our little piece of America right here, we know people. I go a mile, mile and a half, and I see my friends Wendy and John. Now, if you were visiting this area, you might not know Wendy and John. You would know this great little restaurant with the Jeff Cat sandwich. How cool is that, right? Jake's Place. You would know that. But I know them as Wendy and John. And, and when my car needs to be fixed, I, I go and I see my friends, Stan and Megan. Now, God forbid your car broke down in this area. You wouldn't know Stan and Megan. You would know their business. Certified Auto Repair. That's the way it is where you are as well. The ABC company that I would know if I came to your community, you know them as as Bill and Mary. Because Bill and Mary go to church with you and your kids go and are, are students together. That's what we need to get back to. The sense of community at every single level. And it is men and women who make things and fix things who truly are the backbone of this nation. And by God, we've got to provide some support for them, some, some appreciation to them. 888-727-BECK. 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 If you want to send me an email, the best way to do it is to go through my website, thejeffkatzshow.com, thejeffkatzshow.com. Donna is in Georgia. Donna, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Oh, awesome job, Jeff. You know, I'm going to combine both last half hour and this one because you're really hitting on what is in my heart. When we grew up and we had hand workers that did that stuff, my grandfather would walk with his ladder because sometimes he didn't have a car to get Mm -hmm. to his job. We knew all of those people. Us kids knew Mr. and Mrs. Jones and Smith and McGillicuddy. We had ethnicities from all around the world 
whose they came or their parents came. We knew them. We had to respect them. They watched over us, and they told our parents if we were bad, if we picked their tomatoes out of their garden (laughs) or whatever. They were wonderful. We felt like we belonged, and we had to work in that backyard just like them. So we would see them on the weekend if they're pruning their hedges. And we were either, you know, sweeping the sidewalk or whatever our job was to do. We didn't, they came home in their car or truck, and they opened the garage door with their own hands. They didn't come in with a remote control, drive up to the mailbox and clean it out with their earbuds on as I'm yelling over, hi, Mr. Jones. They actually heard me, and they came over and talked to me. So we have lost that with our white, also it's the white-collar elitism, and we've grown up in that. We did that. But yeah. but we've lost it because now they don't want to dirty their hands. We had to dirty our hands as kids. So we and what you explained about the small town with that, we used to walk to the playgrounds, the ball fields. Our parents didn't drive us in a giant SUV three miles away to have somebody come from another town. And that works. They work for national and international companies. It's not yep. their business like your wonderful worker. So yeah. we have lost a huge sense of community and connectiveness and caring about each other. Donna, you you are so spot on, and you said it better than I could. Let me ask you a question. When you were a kid, did your parents ever make a play date for you and one of your friends? Of course they didn't. You know why? Because... There was no such thing because you walked out the door and there were your friends and you played with them. There was no coordination in the home office. Well, uh, all right, mom's going to call the other mom and we're going to see. How does Tuesday at 3 look for you? Who cares? You're a kid. You don't need Outlook calendar. You don't need the to the second management and we have lost that and we are too well coordinated and we do have a generation now sadly i think who who has grown up never knowing anything other than that look my wife and i are in a mixed marriage i talk about this all the time she's from this bucolic little town in Cape Cod, the the doors were never locked. I grew up in the city. Now, not the inner city, as you might describe it, but in the city. And all of our doors were locked, just because. But we had this in common. She would leave her home at some point and wander throughout the town and play with her friends as a little girl. And while my buddies and I were not wandering all of Philadelphia for a five, six block radius, we just go and see other buddies. And I don't think anybody's got that anymore, do they? Mary Lynn is in Tennessee. Mary Lynn, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Good morning, Jeff. I struck a chord with me when you were speaking of patriotism. And I I do believe there is this intrepid fear of mm-hmm. it. Okay. And what they're fearful of is the light and the truth. And what is lacking is spirituality and morality. Mm-hmm. And growing up in Chicago, I mean, we had Jewish, Italian, Polish, 
Lithuanian, Greek, Hungarian, mm-hmm. and everybody was cohesive with each other. The yeah. children would get out, and I have to pare it down as uh, comments because we would not have to have anything organized. We'd be out there, and it was just a dynamic patch quilt yeah. of how beautiful our nation is. And personally, affiliated with the military, our immediate family, over a century, my heart swells with patriotism. And if I see anybody that serves, be it police, firefighter, EMS, whomever, military, I go out of my way to say thank you, bud, for serving. It, It is something that we need to cling to. With every sinew, every every strength in our body, and embrace it, not erase it. I couldn't possibly agree with you more. Mary Lynn, thank you so much for calling. We do need to embrace it because it embraces us. You know, we have gotten so self-centered. We have become so egomaniacal. We don't see things outside of us anymore, do we? And, and I'd love to tell you that, that I'm different. But then isn't that the whole thing? Right? Well, I'm self-centered again. It's, ego, it's egomania. I'm going to tell you how great I am about not being self-centered. Well, how unbelievably disconnected is that? I can tell you, just through the prism of life, There was a time, boy, there was nobody, nobody who was a bigger Jeff Katz fan than Jeff Katz. Oh, man, I could sit and talk to you about me for hours. And then I would ask you, what do you think about me? And then what happens? In my case, I get married. But even then, it's it's still egotistical. It just happens to be two egos now. Right? Well, now we're two egos and we can focus on ourselves, but we're still focused on, yeah, okay. And then, and then the kids come along. And there is no greater wake-up call. There is no better realization that it is not all about you once you realize there's an obligation to others. I think we've forgotten that. And I do believe we're so wrapped up in ourselves, we can't see that, that from outside we are unified by certain actions. Quickly to Daniel in North Carolina. Daniel, welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Hey, thanks, Jeff. I'm uh, agreeing with everything you've said so far. Thank you, sir. Um, I'm, a, I'm a jack of all trades. I'm a maintenance professional and um i wear a flag on my hat i wear a flag i have a flag on my pickup truck yep and um i am a big believer in in hard work whatever you do whatever you choose to do for a career you work hard at it um i do get looked down sometimes because i do have dirt on my clothes especially uh you know as the day goes on and they get dirtier and dirtier i do jobs that nobody else wants to do And um, there are a lot of people who don't understand that people like me are needed out there. Um, A lot of the kids I talk to don't understand that they can't all be lawyers, doctors and whatnot. There there are people that are going to have to be skilled trades. 
Absolutely. Uh, and Daniel, I, I, I thank you so much for doing what you do. And it is a reminder that all of these lawyers and doctors and engineers invariably call people like Daniel when something needs to be fixed. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. You are listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I want to remind you, if you want to shoot me an email, go through the website, thejeffkatshow.com. Have that great click-to-contact button there. I mention it because... All of a sudden, I've got folks I grew up with in Oxford Circle. I haven't heard from in years ago. Jeff, listening to you. You're no Glenn Beck, but I'm still listening to you, and it sounds like you're no Glenn Beck, but I'm listening to you. Do you remember me? And, uh, I still do. Okay. Uh, I am Jeff Katz, ordinarily heard on News Radio WRBA in Central Virginia. Uh, I do have somebody calling in from Richmond, so please let me uh, get to Steve, who was in Richmond on the Glenn Beck program. Steve? Hello, sir. How are you today? I am fine, thank you. Uh, I just I, I was listening in and really agree with what you're saying, you know, and I. I actually uh, worked in construction as a plumber and as an HVAC tech as a teenager and then ended up joining the Army and went in the security route later on. But I still know how to do my own work. And a couple months ago, I was fixing a shower diverter, an old one, and had to go to a specialty store and get the diverters um, to get the valves to put in the diverters. And the got in a great conversation with the guy that lasted about 10 minutes just while I was waiting and he said that the thing you're seeing, you're not seeing young guys come into the trade, and the old guys are retiring two to one for wow. how many people are entering the trade. And he said, you give it 10 years, mark my words, and plumbers are going to be making as much as lawyers because nobody wants to do the work. Yeah, well, and, and good for them. Good for for them. Uh, it is, as you know, tough work. And I appreciate the call, Steve. Thank you so much. It is tough work. And again, I started all of this by mentioning my Uncle Paul. I loved my Uncle Paul. God, did I love my Uncle Paul. Such a great guy. And I watched him break his rear end. Just working so hard as a plumber. And I saw up close and personal. But I also heard from folks in my Uncle Paul's generation, oh, don't work with your hands. We want you to work with your head, not your hands. It's easier. It's easier. Well, I suppose it is easier until such time as you need somebody who knows how to work with their hands. And then it may, it may not be easy, and it's certainly not going to be inexpensive, nor should it be. It is Jeff Katz in today for Glenn. This is the Glenn Beck Program.